the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. That's me uh, not having turned my phone down. Um, Super excited to have you guys with us. Sorry if if I'm sounding a little off kilter. You know, this is live radio and sometimes our, um, sometimes you gotta, you guys have to suffer as we make the sausage being aware. What's the old expression? Seeing how the sausage gets made. Yeah, that's what's going on right now, but that's okay because it's Friday and we're going to have some fun. Um, anything to distract from me from the delicious chocolate cake that's in the lunchroom. I'm not one that was, it was never my thing when I was depressed to eat a lot. In fact, if I go through depression or if I'm sad about something, it's like I don't feel like eating. Eating for me is a social thing, but I'm aware that a lot of people are really about, um, it were, if they're going through a hard time, there's lots of different ways that people try to cope, right? Um, they try to cope through alcohol, maybe, or other types of substance with food or drugs. A lot of people aren't really sure how to cope. We've got a mental health crisis in this country. We've got problems with PTSD. We've got problems with anxiety. I think we, I think we've had an increase in PTSD and anxiety and depression, clinical depression, circumstantial depression. Uh, problem with that in this country long before we started locking healthy people into their homes and weren't able to, you know, they weren't able to get outside and get fresh air and kids were cut off from their schools and um, it, and that just exacerbated the problem, right? And we actually saw because people didn't have the ability to go to their doctors and, and get treatment, the situation has gotten worse. And so I, I, I heard of a former congressman named Tim Murphy about a book that he had out called The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. And he joins me now. Hi, Dr. Tim Murphy. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Well, it's a great honor to be with you, Andrea. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, and I appreciate your patience. We had some technical issues going on at the open of the show, and we're an actual radio show here. We're a live radio show. We're not uh, a podcast. Not that there's anything wrong with podcast, um, but when you're live radio, sometimes things happen, and you got to deal with things live on air, and so that's what was going on with us, and I was teasing, kind of, um, that it was a good distraction from the chocolate cake I've got in there in the in the lunchroom. <laughs> I I know there's lots of people that self-medicate with with food and with the chocolate cake. For me, when I'm going through a tough time, I can't eat. It's like the last thing I want to do is eat. I'm a Southerner, and I'm more about eating to celebrate. But people are turning to all different 
ways to try to cope with issues going on in their life and you've got the real cure for that but first i want to I, I before we get into the book the christ cure please tell everybody a little bit about your background because sometimes when you bring people on and they've got a book that has to do with any type of suggestions ideas or whatever people were like well who is this person who do they think they are to start telling me how i should handle things so tell everybody about yourself well, there you go. And probably I should say there's some connection. My father was born in Louisiana, so I understand a little about. Oh, okay. Uh, what I, town? I'm, I'm from Slidell. This is from uh, Union Parish up there. And uh, uh, that way, and then he moved to uh, Union County in El Dorado, Arkansas. So he's born up there. That's. Um, I don't know all the details, but I know okay. he always said he's born in Louisiana. Well, he's so good people been. then. He had to be good go. people. So very good. Um, I grew up and learned to say y'all, but my own background is, uh, uh, in the, in the last several years, a, a number of things. I was a psychologist by training and practiced for many years at that. Ended up wanting to change the world and ran for state Senate, won that seat, ran for Congress, won that seat. Um, I've written some other books, have worked in this, and even joined the Navy and worked in the Navy in a uh, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorder unit at Walter Reed Hospital in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. And those things combined to give me a, a background in working with trauma for other people, and quite frankly, traumas of my own. Uh, and reaching a point where I thought, boy, there's got to be an answer out there for all of us. Uh, we've seen so much hurt in the world, and it continues on. About 70% of the population at some time will face a life-threatening trauma. It really always feels that way. It could be even chronic stresses that we're dealing with in our life. It could mm-hmm. be uh, losing a spouse, you know, getting in an accident, uh, near death. It could be a, a, a deadly diagnosis. Uh, it could also be, you know, being given the trauma of uh, something being told one day, getting a divorce, you've lost your job, a, a whole host of things. And what do we do with that is, uh, is a serious issue. Uh, and unfortunately, many people will do, as you said, they, they may turn towards eating, they may turn towards drugs or alcohol or or, or gambling or whatever the vice is, because along those lines, we're trying to find a way out of the pain. Mm-hmm. And my question to people is, well, how's that working out for you? And the answer is, it isn't. Mm-hmm. So what we have is talk therapy is helpful. I mean, I'm a psychologist. That's what I do. But that has its limits, too. It can help people re- rethink the way of approaching the world. Medication can be helpful, but medication can change how you feel, but it doesn't change how you think, and it doesn't change your view of the world. We can work on changing some behaviors, but if we're still the same person inside, we'll go right back to our old habits. So this is where I, I really, by getting back to some of the roots, biblical roots, as well as the science that I learned as a psychologist for many years of practice, I realized there's a, a, a juncture there where things come together, but we really need to go back and say two or 3,000 years of history Biblical history and religious history can teach us something about healing that in our society, quite frankly, we have forgotten. We've turned away from it. And I think we're much the worse for it, but we'll be the better for it if we get back to combining these things together. Well, I understand the book is um, inspired by Apostle Paul, which was my um, my grandma, Mary Lee. I mentioned Mary Lee earlier tonight on the show that Paul was her favorite mm. and, and many people's favorite. Um, but I never really thought of his life in terms of PTSD and traumas that he faced. I should have because he was really put through it. Um, 
But you mentioned you mentioned intersection. One of the things before before I lose my train of thought, um, I suffered. I'm gonna. I, I don't know that I've ever told my listeners this. I suffered some serious childhood trauma. I was diagnosed with PTSD, and um, I ended up being put through something. I'm glad you said um, that you are a, a, a licensed therapist and there is a place for that because I, there's also a lot of Christians that feel ashamed about getting help. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and I think it's important to understand that there's, that we've got to lean on the Lord and we've got to lean on biblical teachings. But I did find, and I don't know if you're a believer of EMDR, but I did find that that was helpful mm-hmm. to me. It, it can be, and it can be. That's one of those things where, the process of uh, through some eye movements and some other sensitivity movements there. But what also works with that, I imagine this may have happened with you, you also talk about it during those times. It yeah. isn't it's just some little magical thing that happens. Right. But, but it, it works along those lines to get in your mind to think about the world in a different way. Yes. Uh, and, and thank you for even sharing that about yourself. And, and, and many of your listeners also experienced that. In fact, I, I wrote this book, I, I like to say it's a handbook for the broken and the people who love them. Because many times when we go through traumas, we're our own worst enemy. I didn't want to, uh, to uh, talk about my own problems. I was there for helping everybody else. I don't want to mention my own weaknesses. And when we turn towards even faith, I'm a little embarrassed about that. If it turns out about 40% of people will turn towards clergy for the help. They'll go to the pastor, the minister, the priest, the rabbi. But, only about 10% of clergy say they feel competent to handle it because they don't have special training in this. Right. And the other part is counselors and therapists have very little or no training in how to bring faith into people's lives. And yet most people who believe this, about 60, 70% say, I want to talk about this. But they feel, if my therapist isn't talking about it, maybe I should be ashamed to talk about it. But right. it really does help. Well, let's talk about um, the the ten biblical ways to heal, um, because as I as I went through my journey of healing, I, it wasn't just about EMDR that helped me figure some things out, but the rest was really through my relationship with the Lord. And I kind of wish that I had your book <laughs> to help me. So um, let's talk about that. What are the ways? Well, there's uh, you mentioned the Apostle Paul, and what I've learned from him. Uh, is that let's start off with his trauma. So he was dealing with things like he was, he started off hunting down Christians. He was a, a very a, a avid uh, Jewish Pharisee. He believed that they were doing the wrong thing. He mm-hmm. was there to arrest them, to see them killed. And we know that people who are involved with executions themselves can have some trauma from that. Suddenly he changed. And now the people that were allies before, they don't want anything to do with them. And the people who are suspicious of him, now he's going to make friends with him. He's bat- he's, um, goes blind. He's baptized. He was at one point, he was run out of town constantly. He was beaten with a uh, rod three times. He was ripped 39 lashes five times. He was bitten by a poison snake. He was run out of town. He, he uh, floated around in a storm for two weeks in the Mediterranean, uh, hanging onto a piece of wood for a day and a half, chained to prison walls in the moment of prison, uh, uh, sentenced to death. This goes on and on for him, and any one of those should have broken him. But here's mm-hmm. what he began with. He began with resilience. He writes about, uh, in, his, in his lessons in life, he chose strength instead of weakness, which is something we need to do as part of our own resilience. That's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual strength. And I ask people to always kind of do a self-assessment. Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being very weak, 10 being very strong? Where are you on each one? Because we need all those. 
There's another thing that he was very disciplined. He talked about all the time. He said, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He, he knows that in, in the things he knew from the Old Testament, that you have to be self-disciplined in the ancient. You have to work at it all the time. Uh, another aspect he worked on was uh, he, he knew that um, he had to have goals in life. He couldn't just float around in the chaotic life. He had goals of going out and preaching people and saving them, and it was all a big part of it. And he had to have humility. Mm-hmm. He had the humility to say, I need help. I'm honest with myself. Those are important combinations to build our own resilience in this. The, the next stage is one of building resistance. Uh, and resistance is what we do in the fight. It's the moment of trauma, how we handle it. And, and most people, we don't think about that. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, if, how many people play the lottery? They only made you a buck or two. And even though your chances may be one in 350 million, but your chances of facing major trauma in your life is about 70%. Mm-hmm. And yet, we don't work on it. So in this, we see that Paul worked in his resilience. He worked in his resistance. He learned resistance skills such as you can't quit. you got to fight back. You have to build mm-hmm. your endurance. You have to build your persistence. You have to build your courage. Yeah. Uh, and when we are weak, we think, oh, I wish I had done that before. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we, do this, we do this all the time. Um, the other two things I'll mention here in terms of these four stages, there's resilience before the fight, what we have to build up. A resistance in the fight, how we arm ourselves. The next one is recovery after the fight. And this is one where we have to really embrace uh, these things. We have to embrace hope. We have to embrace it's okay to feel guilty, not okay to feel shame. We have to embrace forgiveness. And this is where those who have faith in God is so important because God forgives, others might, I must. Mm. The lesson is there. And you may have gone through this near trauma. I've gone through this in mind. Even if we don't cause it ourselves, if we do cause it, we can't help but continue to blame ourselves. What's wrong with me? Why did this happen? Why does God not like me? Can I ever get over this? And even if, uh, even if the things we do now, am I ruining my relationships by being so sad, so depressed, so anxious? Yeah. And the answer is we keep beating ourselves up. God's forgiven us for that. Mm-hmm. But those who don't have faith don't have that advantage of forgiveness. So those are some of them. That, I should say the fourth thing that Paul taught us here was renewal. Many people who are dealing with addictions and problems stay involved as, you know, I'm, I'm in recovery the rest of my life. Yeah, I get that. But it is what he said in Romans 12, two, he said, to be transformed by a renewing of your the mind. mind. Yeah. And, and I'll bet you did that when yeah. you involved in something too. You had to do that because that's how we get better. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's was I mean I had to do the I had to do the work of the EMDR stuff cuz there was stuff that was repressed and suppressed that I that had to be dug out um and faced and mm-hmm. then, but then you know and and facing it and dealing with it it was all about strengthening me. Everything you're saying here cuz I you know um, I spent a lot of time in the Word, <laughs> a lot of time, and it's it's you know it's the the Lord healed me, um, mm. the Lord gave me somebody that helped me with EMDR to get to some issues, but the Lord really healed me, and it was through a lot of what you're talking about here. I just didn't have this blueprint, and it probably would have been a quicker process for me. But it, one of the things that I learned was, is it's like a muscle. You know, we think we're going to go to church and sit in a pew. I grew up in the South, and it's like everybody went to church on Sunday and went to Sunday school, then they sat in the pew. 
and then then the rest of the week you just tried not to say cuss words or whatever um but really your faith and your strength in the faith in your faith and walking with the lord is has to be something you have to be working on all the time and you have to you know you you can't just be oh when because we're all going to face really 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 bad times at some point nobody gets to this life unscathed and you have to be doing the work to prepare to to face it and Mm -hmm. and and i I think joyce meyer always talks about how we're supposed to be like like i used to scuba dive where you're you're 100 feet below and there may be you know, white caps at the top of the surface, but you're down below and you don't even feel it, right? Because it's right. just, you're at a place of um, presence, you know, a place of calm because you've done the work. So you're, you're, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to imply that you never face tough times, but you're stronger in the face of it. Absolutely. And you said some important words there. When it comes down to healing versus just coping, Versus just surviving mm-hmm. the healing process. And I should say, I've worked with lots of people on this. And there's other people who say, well, you can't always kind of live with it. Yeah, you will never get rid of the memories. I'm, I'll never get rid of the memories of things that happened to me. That's not the issue. The issue is how we continue to repeat the memory a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand times. And our body, our brain is always going to react as if it's happening now. Parts of our brain are really powerful because they can take over the whole system when we're dealing with a threat. But mm-hmm. it's kind of dumb. It's like a smoke detector. It doesn't know if it's reacting to the house is on fire or the, the birthday candles just got blown out. Right. And uh, so we have to be able to do that. But here's the key. It's when we accept faith, faith that God is this for us. We accept trust that God has things for a reason. It's no longer saying, hey, I prayed and you better do this for me. And it has to be a certain way. And if it's not that way, I'm going to be mad at you, God, and reject you. The Holy Spirit says, hey, will you let me in? I'm, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it. Will you just let me in? And the other part to accept is grace. So when, when we're really feeling bad through trauma and tragedy, PTSD, it's, we're saying, I think I'm, I'm, I'm too broken. I can't do anything. And no one loves me. And God says, no, I, I've always loved you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to check the box. I'm always going to be there. It's infinite. It's deep and wide and solid. Uh, and you don't merit this, but I'm going to give it to you. And we get confused. But how could you love me? I'm, I'm messed up mm-hmm. in life. And God says, yeah. because I do. Um, so there's other parts I talk about in the book about the importance of exercise and sleep and other things. But the key is, no one. when I was researching this myself and reading about Paul, I said, well, someone must have written a book about Paul and why he didn't have PTSD. And it turns out nobody did. Uh, so this is the first one that really looks at how to integrate faith and biblical issues with, with uh, legitimate and uh, scientific psychological advice and direction. And as I said, so for those who feel broken, and those are people who love them because they're broken. Oftentimes they don't see it. They don't want to get help. But, you know, spouses and brothers and sisters and friends can see it. So this is where, by them reading this guide, and it's a handbook, so it's not like one and done. It's not a beach novel. It's going back to it and say, okay, how do I handle this next stage of my renewal, of my recovery, of my resistance in, in my life, or to help those who are around me that are really hurting well, I just think this is wonderful because we've just, we're such a broken nation with, you know, and the solution just immediately doctors want to give you a pill. And, and certainly, you know, we have abandoned God in many ways in our society. And from a political situation, there's a lot of movement to replace God with state. And I think the crime that we've got and uh, the mass shootings and all that to me is just a symbol of the fact that we, we are not a nation 
generation that relies on the Lord anymore. The hope is not is in the the, the hope isn't in a God anymore. It's in ourselves and in other places. And I think that this this could be a book for everybody. It, you, I, I don't think it has to be somebody who suffered some extreme trauma, you know, because we're exactly. all going to face we're all going to face tough times. So I think that this is a book for everybody. And um, even though I haven't read it, but I will get it and I, and I look forward to it. And I see it as something that would be on my bedside and that I would refer to again and again. And that's the way it's written. It's something you go back to uh, because I, people will achieve certain levels and say, oh, I need to go back to this because this is now affecting my life or is not. And I should, if I can mention, I have a website. It's drtimmurphy.com. It's dr, drtimmurphy.com where you can order through there. But I also post podcasts. I'm not lucky enough to have a radio show like you. I used to have one. <laughs> but uh, my podcast, which give people updates on that. But, but you can also go uh, online, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Christian Book, whatever it is, and, and order this. And I hope that people really take it to heart and, and read it because I, I'll tell you, it was a very painful book to write, but it's a very mm-hmm. hopeful book to read. Well, thank so. you so much, Dr. Tim Murphy, for writing the book and for being here tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you, too. All right, you guys, stick around. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little break, but then we will be back. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Don't mind me as I sit here fantasizing about the chocolate cake that's in the in the lunchroom <laughs> speaking of food Kamala Harris was somewhere starting to talk about food I don't I, 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 I'm not sure if this was her talking about food or if it's, but it seems like it was some kind of weird like tough guy talk it's almost like she's doing some Biden impersonation I can't hear you can't hear you man Sorry. She was talking to the youth of America, uh, one kid in specific, trying to motivate him on what to say and what not to say. Oh, okay. But, well, it, but it still doesn't make it any better. No, I, I don't know what she was yammering about. So let's hear it. Don't hear no, because you know my saying? I eat no for breakfast. <laughs> what? Say what? That's like my interpretation of that is it's like when Joe Biden tries to talk tough and he's talking about corn pop. Now she's, you know, to, I eat no for breakfast. Really? My heart, there's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go late. Lick the world. Let's get it done. <laughs> what a team we got. Freaking Fred. We got an office leading the free world. Yep. That's it. One talking about licking the world and her talking about, I eat no for breakfast. (laughs) If we had comedy, if Saturday Night Live was still funny. Oh, they would be making fun of this day and night. Especially the lick the world. Especially the lick the world. And her talking about eating no for breakfast. Like she's such a tough guy. What has she done? Nothing. I didn't have to think about it. Nothing. She's done nothing at any point in her career. We all know the truth. We all know heels up Harris, how she got to where she is. It wasn't eating no for breakfast. Maybe she's had a hard time getting in contact with Andy Biggs so she could finally make yeah. her trip to the border. We, yeah, exactly. Now, she, she was eating something near the border. and it, You know, it, she wasn't focused on closing the border. 
we know Hills Up Harris got her career eating something and it wasn't breakfast. But um, Tish. Thank you. I was like, is this thing on? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's Friday night. Oh, you said, is this thing on? You sound like Larry Elder then. <laughs> what? Speaking of Larry, okay, he throws his hat in the ring. Which with, I am excited about. Why? Are you, let, let's talk about this. Is it because we, we know Larry? Yeah. I mean, let's, he's let, honestly, he listened to some of the wrong people in his run for governor, but he is one smart dude. But then why, if he's, if he's smart, then is this really the year to be throwing his hat in the ring? I think, and maybe, and maybe this is his reasoning, I don't know. The more people, I heard this said today and I agree with it, the more people that throw their names for the GOP into the race, the more that actually, I believe, strengthens Trump. He's well, going to be forced to play his best cards. True, but then I don't know that that means that Larry's very smart. I think it's good for Trump. I don't know that it's good for Larry Elder. And then it makes me think, well, Larry's just um, bringing some attention. I mean, who knows? I mean, he actually, other than the yes-no vote in the governor's race, he got by far the most votes in the choice for for the GOP. Maybe he could take this a long way. Uh, It's interesting. I think that... I'm really looking forward to I'm, I'm glad he threw his hat in the ring because I think that he is really smart. Um, I think that he it will bring every time we have even back to 2015 and 2016 when we had um, 17 candidates, I think it was 16 or 17. Um, I picked Trump out the gate. Um Every one of them brought something to the discussion, even when they they had there were so many they had to split up the debates and split them into two. Yeah, it was two different forms of debate, the top tier and the second tier. Yeah. What Larry will bring to the table and and will bring to the debate. Oh, he'll be tier A if they do that. Yeah. And, And what he will bring to it is what Tim Scott was going to, which is bring a conservative viewpoint on the issues of race in this country. And Larry Elder will do it in a way, in a more, in a, in a, in a way far more effective than Tim Scott would ever do. So I think, I think right now the person who's losing the most from Larry Elder throwing his hat in the ring is Tim Scott. I think it might be an interesting. I'll just say this: I hadn't thought about it. Maybe, maybe this is a nothing burger. I don't know. Let's say Larry drops out early. Who's to say? I don't know. Vice president? Yes, could be a very, very interesting VP choice. I think that'd be awesome. We've got uh, we've uh, Kamala Harris wasn't. Uh, I'm going to say what I what I didn't believe before. It's not going to be DeSantis. No, it's the 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 back and forth has gone it's on too, too long. It's too ugly, and I will tell you, Trump needs to immediately shift. He won't, but he but he needs he to. needs to because he is not today. He went on a rant against Florida. That's a losing proposition. DeSantis's record and his That's success. That's where we're winning. He, yeah. DeSantis has done so much for not just the state of Florida. There's a reason why Miami-Dade flipped for DeSantis by 11 points. The flip was actually bigger. He not only won Miami-Dade, he won Miami-Dade by 11 points, whereas we had lost Miami-Dade before. Um, to, to deny that and to criticize that is just not smart. It's not smart. And it reeks of desperation. Trump does not need to be desperate. Trump, this is his to lose. And this is what I hate to say. Andrea, I don't think he's going to stop. And I hope he does. Because if he doesn't, I've said it before and I'm still holding true to it. 
unfortunately, he won't win the nomination. He won't. Right now, it's his nomination to lose, and he's going to lose it if he continues. If he continues to move to the left on policy positions so that he can attack DeSantis, he's going to lose. If he continues to attack success in conservative policies being applied, he's going to lose. The smart play would have been, and I mentioned it back when he first trotted out the Ron DeSanctimonious at a rally, and it was the first time he had gone after DeSantis, and people were like, whoa. I said then, that was a bad move. He, he, you know, he, he, he had an opportunity to save his nomination continue his brand, be Trump, bring DeSantis into the fold, and now he's just doing damage to himself. And if he wants to be a little snarky, I get it, that's Trump, but there should be a line, and at least wait till the guy gets in the... He's not even in the race. No, because right now, it's he can't be in the race. And if he wanted to go after De- De- DeSantis, one of the things he could do is not attack Florida, not say that, not not uh, take pro. Um, one of the latest things that he did was he said, and it's being, I think, being a little misinterpreted, but he had said in on the heels of Ron DeSantis signing into law a six week ban on abortion. Uh, the thing of abortion came up and he and, and I can't remember how it came into the conversation, but the pro-life community right now is really upset with Trump because what he said was that it is not a federal issue. Abortion needs to remain at the state level. The pro-life community is upset by that because what a lot of people don't realize is the reversal of Roe v. Wade did leave a congressional option. It did not mandate that it had to be handled at the state. There is an option for Congress to do federal legislation. Now, I don't agree with that because I actually think it should be handled at the state level. Just because the Supreme Court said it could be handled at the congressional level doesn't mean that's where it belongs. The way he should spin it is just focus on what Trump would do better and how Trump is a is a success at certain things, but not point out that certain things from DeSantis are wrong. Right. Um, DeSantis cannot right now, um, what, one of the things he should, could be criticizing DeSantis on right now is everybody knows that he's, that he's running a shadow campaign. He's not admitting it because right now he legally could not declare that he's running for office because he's a sitting governor. And what if, if I was Trump, what I would say is Ron DeSantis. You are about to embark on a national tour meeting with leaders around the world, which is not your role as a governor. If you're going to run in the president for president in 2024, I think what you need to do for the citizens of Florida is to resign. Put him on the spot. Make him resign. Oh, I agree. And that would, be, do. that would be factual and nothing wrong with that. Keep it on that. Keep it on policy. Don't be attacking what he's doing for the state of Florida. And then DeSantis either declares or he says, you know what? I'm not running. Right. Or he's just got to squirm a little bit because there's a and because there's a lot of citizens in Florida right now that are really upset that he's been trotting around on a shadow campaign and not handling business in Florida, and there's still a, a gas shortage in in many areas where people can't get gas. Um, so Trump, I, 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 I'm glad Larry Elder's in. I want more people in because it's better for the nation and better for Trump and better for the party. But Trump needs to get back on his game because this is not He's far. Off. This is not 2016 Trump. It's just not. We're going to take a break. We come back. What do you guys think? 888-344-1170.
A.K., Dynamite in a Dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Just for you environmental justice people, we know all y'all out there. You're waiting for the uh, the new movie with the superhero that's in the environmental warrior. <laughs> Do you remember Captain Planet? No. Was an eight? Oh, was it eighties? I believe it was, it was eighty. It was an eighties cartoon superhero that was uh, out there to save the environment. Oh my gosh! Do you remember how? Like, what was it? Did they have like a, a superpower? I don't remember. It just <laughs> was it a broom? You were talking like that and just flashed in my eyes. I remember the cartoon existing. It's going to save the planet. Um, what uh, go around and like snatch water bottles out of. I think the 80s was when people first started carrying water bottles. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember what people were talking about with the environment back in the 80s. I don't remember. I remember recycling. My parents started getting big into recycling back then. That's kind recycling of like, uh, how was much a money big can thing. We get for taking in a bag of cans, right? So I that's what I'm thinking that the the uh, superhero. What was it, Captain Planet? Captain Planet. I'm thinking he was about recycling. Maybe that's what he was. Um, I guess I guess lefties today are thinking of either Greta Thunberg. or maybe after Biden's comments today, maybe he's going to be considered the new Captain Planet. I'm getting the hiccups. What is going? Cool? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this clip and I'm going to hold my breath for 10 seconds while you get to listen to Joe Biden. Environmental justice will be the mission of the entire government woven directly into how we work with state, local, tribal and territorial governments. Okay. Um, environmental justice. That's going to be the, the mission now of the entire U.S. government. Let me translate that. What that means is every department, every agency is going to be based on the um, plan using different strategies, different tactics, different policies, different positions to control your life under the guise of saving the planet, under the guise of um, um climate change and global warming and all the different um, public health, everything from we're going to have agencies telling you what kind of appliances you can use, your thermostat's going to be controlled, what kind of car you can drive, what kind of food you're going to be able to eat. Um, It's also going to be a part of the income redistribution Um, because environmental justice to them is not really about, you didn't hear anything when he's talking about environmental justice. Do they they ever talk about the planet? Nope. No. Well, because in the end, that's not what it's about. No, of course not, because he wouldn't be pushing environmental vehicles if it had anything to do with the planet, because they have to dig it up and and mine for lithium using... It's worse on the environment than the gas. Yeah, using five-year-olds, right? Environmental justice. Remember what we heard the other day? Pete Buttigieg talking about how car crashes are racist. Every agency now, whether it's Department of Education, whether it's the Department of Interior, where um, the um, Bureau of Land Management oh, resides, wait, 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 wait. EPA. You want to laugh? What? We didn't play this yesterday, and I have to play this for you. You want to c- catch your breath for 20 seconds. Okay. You also plan to make important investments to uh, address the roadway safety crisis, including the critical funding that would accelerate the development. And this is an area I've I've written to you about of the use of female uh, dummies (laughs) in crash testing. 
this will start to fight the gender inequity among vehicle <laughs> safety and crash victims. So there's inequity <laughs> with crash test dummies. <laughs> Why don't they just go ahead and say, you know what, and let's begin by using um, those athletes that dare to speak up like Riley Gaines, that dare to speak up against biological men competing against them. Let's use them as, the, as crash test dummies. That's what's coming. Um, here's what Corrine Jean-Pierre had to say about, um, oh, this is, we don't have time to play this clip right now. We got to take a break. When we come back, final segment of tonight's Andrea K Show, Here of the Week and Stink of the Week. Don't go away. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. I got to tell y'all, I have been gobsmacked. I have been shocked by the hysteria over the blue checks going away yesterday from the the legacy verified users. If you want to be verified, pony up the eight bucks. And if you don't care about being being verified, then then don't be verified. I mean, I don't get the hysteria. I mean, CNN talking about this today. Here's what they had to say. Here, let's listen to a little bit of their hysteria as they call Elon Musk hypocritical. Clip five. But at the same time, that very measured businessman can do some very erratic things that causes us to be very confused. And the latest example of that, of course, was Musk ripping the blue check marks away. He said that if you're not paying to remain verified on Twitter, that you're not going to keep your blue check. But what was so weird is that he said that he was unilaterally going to pay for some people to keep their blue checks, which to me defies the entire well, Who did point. he pay for? So he said that he paid for Stephen King, <laughs> uh, William Shatner, the actor, and LeBron James. And all three of them, by the way, had publicly stated that they wouldn't pay to remain verified. Musk just said that, oh, I'm going to do it myself. I thought that was a little hypocritical because he criticized the old verification system for sort of subjectively letting some people be verified. In him choosing three people to pay to be verified, he is subjectively choosing to have people be verified. This is a weird thing. Like after Twitter has been around for so long, like, you know what LeBron's official account is. Yeah. I think someone I think I've lost mine, but people know my account already. So does it really I think verification matters because when there's an emergency situation, if there's a school shooting, if there's a natural disaster, people want to go to Twitter and find authoritative voices to know what's going on. And that might be a journalist, (laughs) but it also might be an emergency response unit in a local town, a mayor, etc. Stop right here. Um, They've already said that institutions, like members of Congress, have a gray check mark. Institutions will be verified. You're not going to be wondering who the official fire uh, department account is for San Diego Fire Department. So what they're trying to do is they're upset because the system has now changed because the the old verification system was based upon using algorithms for them to selectively decide who is important, whose voices you should be listening to. That's who was getting the, the blue checks in the last few years. And it was all about controlling and manipulating the minds of the Americans. And by the way, it's not hypocritical for a business owner to say, you know what, here's the new thing. I'm going to charge everybody extra amount and then and then give a few free accounts to to people selectively how many you know restaurant owners do they not do that do you think celebrities walk in to morton's and pay every time sometimes people walk in and get a free meal and sometimes they don't it's called being a business owner that's not being hypocritical that's being a business owner deciding you know what i'm going to give i'm going to give free business free goods free service to these people over here and other people got to pay and you know what that's their right as the business owner What they're really upset about has nothing to do with any emergency, 
has what it has to do is that he's leveled the playing field. And it is a level playing field, whether or not he gives William Shatner, who I love and think is a national treasure. I mean, heck, free- if anybody deserves it, it's William Shatner. I know, right? All right. Um, speaking of Star Trek, do you have an, 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 a, a story? Oh, honey, the, the Star Trek and Star Wars are not the same. Well, what's this Mandalorian That's thing? That's Star Wars. Oh, Okay. Nice try. <laughs> you know I don't watch any of I them. I know, I know. <laughs> so uh, what do you want to share? is uh, just had its season finale on, I know some people are not going to like it, on Disney+. Plus. It's been a show, probably the show, Andrea, over the last two years, well, two seasons, that mm-hmm. people that watch Star Wars have absolutely loved because it is not politically correct uh, there are behind the scenes things don't take that into account um unfortunately the whole gina carano thing makes me just very upset but on screen it is just a lovely thing to watch and it has been two seasons of absolute brilliance the season finale for season three just uh finished the other night and it was i was worried they weren't going to stick the landing it was it was great i'm really enjoying it and i think people too if they're into the star wars universe should check it out very good. All right, Hero of the Week and Stink of the Week. What you got? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, Stink of the Week, I'm actually going to give it to Donald Trump this this week. He's got to stop the bashing of DeSantis, or he's not going to get the nomination, and this country is going to suffer. Yeah, my Stink of the Week is uh, Merrick Garland, the top law enforcement officer in the land, lying in front of Congress, obstructing justice, and basically being the uh, the swamp dweller to stand over the drain and make sure that all the swamp dwellers can continue to, con- you know, um, uh, hover around in the swamp. You know, um, uh, this country needs to be saved. Merrick Garland needs to go and he needs to be prosecuted. That's my stink out of hero. Uh, You know what? And surface level, I'm going to say RFK Jr. Because somebody's got to hold these Democrats accountable and bless you for standing up. Yeah. I don't have a hero of the week. I can't think of one. So I'm going to have to give it to Dr. I don't have a hero. I'm going to ponder that. I'll let y'all know if I forgot somebody. On Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.